Fundraising everywhere. 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 You need to add me in there. Hi everyone, thank you so much for coming to our session on feminist leadership. My name is Emily Collins-Ellis and I'm joined here by my colleague Rachel Stephenson-Chef and we're super excited um, to be speaking to you all today. Um, We're from an organization called IG Advisors. Um, IG is a strategy consultancy. We focus on creating social and environmental change. Um, We work across three main kind of sectors. So um, the first is philanthropy, which includes you know, individual philanthropists um, and also foundations and kind of um, institutional philanthropy. We work with businesses as well who um, want to be a force for good. And we also work with nonprofits and that includes charities, but also social enterprises, um, public sector bodies, UN agencies, you know, you name it. And as you can see, we work across lots of different cause areas, lots of different geographies. So as well as being leaders ourselves, we also work with lots of leaders from across um, the charity and philanthropy sectors uh, and from across the world as well. So lots of different experiences of leadership in different cultural contexts as well. Um, I'm a CEO um, and you can find me on Twitter at Emily Will Know. Um, my colleague Rachel is our managing director and um, you can find her on Twitter as Rachel Steph Chef. Um, we're both obviously leaders in the IG context, but we also have both sat on um, a lot of boards as trustees. And I'm also co-chair of a feminist organization that practices um, non-hierarchical collective management. So we've got a lot of different perspectives on leadership to bring to this conversation. Um, we've also been working together for six years now, yeah. right? So we've um, we, we've been through it all. We've um, learned from our mistakes and then we're here to give you the benefit of all of that learning today. Um, so before we start talking at you about what feminist leadership means to us and, and how we practice that, um, I just wanted to make sure we stopped and ask you as the audience to reflect on what feminist leadership means to you. Um, you might already have a strong idea of that or you might have no idea you might never have thought about it and you might have some kind of misconceptions or kind of ideas that came to mind when you saw the title of this session so before we start telling you um i just wanted you to kind of take a moment and think what comes to mind when you think feminist leadership two concepts and then putting them together um what is it that you see in your mind So I'm going to start by talking a little bit about what feminist leadership is not, um, because when we ask that question of people, we often get a lot of kind of misconceptions either around feminism itself or or the idea of how you might bring that into the workplace. So firstly, feminist leadership is not just about hiring women um, or necessarily applying things like gender quotas or prioritizing women in any of your um, processes. It's not all about cis women either. It's not about prioritizing people who are not men or people who um, were assigned the gender female at birth. It's all about all genders and kind of liberation and equity for all genders. Um, But equally, it's not all about gender. 
it's fundamentally about power. So like any other kind of political analysis that talks about power and thinks about how, how power is unevenly distributed, racial justice, for example, uh, is really about just looking at how power is inequitably distributed based on gender, but also how all the other elements of power intersect with that. So bringing that kind of political analysis into how you behave in general, but in this case, how you behave as a leader and, and the culture you create in the workplace. It's also not about gender essentialism, which is where you say, you know, women are this way, men are this way, you know, the gen gender fundamentally affects who you are as a person. Um, it can be about learning from certain characteristics of femininity and masculinity, but it's not about saying, you know, behave in one way, behave like a woman in this sense. Um, and equally, it's not about expecting everybody to be a feminist. You can't just hire women. You can't just hire feminists. Everybody is entitled to political autonomy. Um, so it's not about expecting everybody to subscribe to a certain ideology or a certain political set of values in order to be a feminist leader or create a feminist team. And it's also not necessarily about being politically active or taking political action or even advocating for feminist principles. You can be um, behaving in a feminist way. You can have feminist values. You can instill feminist values without that necessarily being something that you are championing in a capital P sense uh, or could take kind of taking action on outside of your team. It's possible to just embody those values on a day-to-day -day basis. So Rachel, do you want to talk a little bit about what we think feminist leadership is now that I've said what it doesn't? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. So on the on the flip side of this coin, um, we wanted to do a bit of uh, research into different definitions of feminist leadership, because um, when people hear the word feminist, there's a lot of different reactions that people have. And there's the classic, I'm not a feminist, but insert very feminist phrase here that actually indicates the person is a feminist, but doesn't identify with that label. Um, so we wanted to just kind of just Put some, uh, put some real definitions and some concrete words around what does this mean to other people and how do we personally resonate with those different kinds of definitions. Because when you research feminist leadership, there's actually many different definitions. So we wanted to highlight three different ones here that we think are kind of interesting and kind of different from each other. The first one um, is about a commitment to creating alternatives to traditional hierarchical leadership and organizational cultures. Um, which makes absolute sense. So it's really about that hierarchy there, which goes back to that concept of power that Emily was speaking about on the previous slide, which is really what feminism um, and feminist liberation is all about. So that's quite interesting um, and definitely resonates for me. The second one um, is creating um, a new system where opportunities and choices are accessible to every woman um, and creating space for a new generation of leaders. That's also quite interesting because that to me is a definition that's really centered on the concept of the glass ceiling of breaking barriers and, um, pr you know, bringing everyone up with you and that, that concept of collective liberation, which I also really like. Uh, but it's not necessarily how I may have initially defined feminist leadership. But when I read that, I went, oh, yeah, that's kind of interesting. And then the third one is also really fascinating because this person describes it as um, a style of leadership with characteristics commonly associated with the social constructs of femininity i.e. collaborative, relational, consensus building, open, intuitive, and so on. And that one is quite interesting because um, it's about the concept of femininity and masculinity as being um, distinct in and of themselves and not necessarily correlated with men and women. And of course, there are more than just those two genders, but it's the idea that all of us have both femininity and masculinity within us and can embody them in different ways. And anyone can have um, a feminine style of leadership. Um, and there may be, you know, uh, 
uh, different opinions on whether that's too much um, in, in the realm of gender essentialism, but I think it's quite interesting. Um, and it also gave me a lot of food for thought. So we wanted to share that with you today. I think it's also worth highlighting how much our society currently values mm. uh, characteristics that are commonly associated with social constructs of masculinity when it comes to leadership and how many of us are expected to embody those things in order to be successful or to be respected. Um, mm. and so I, I think this one is really, really interesting because it's it's fundamentally about challenging the, the norm when it comes to what a leader looks like. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. And reframing that value in capitalism. Mm -hmm. um, because there are amazing um, women introvert intuitive leaders that are highly valuable to so many organizations out there. And that is really fantastic to champion. So again, thinking about feminist leadership, there's a lot of different frameworks out there and different ways of defining that or putting some structure around that. Um, this is one we quite liked from ActionAid. It's their 10 principles of feminist leadership. Um, it's all pretty straightforward and, and you know, no major surprises there. Everything from self-awareness through to zero tolerance for harassment. Um, and I won't go through this in detail. You can read the slide yourself. Um, but on the next slide, what we wanted to do is basically take this framework and then do some reflection from our perspective and experience about how we relate to different concepts within it and how that shows up for us um, in our own leadership styles and experiences. So I'll start um, first from the self-awareness one. Um, Emily and I were laughing about this earlier because I do think that it's one of the core tenets of our dynamic and our relationship. Um, we really, really believe in the power of self-awareness and of bringing that to each other and being aware of each other's selves and, and, and not hiding that from each other at work. Um, but it's really the idea that work, you know, when, when you're in a work, it's a team, it's a group of people. Um, and it's the idea that how we relate to groups of people, how we collaborate, how we lead is very much informed by the other groups we've been in elsewhere in our lives. So from childhood, maybe in a, a family dynamic, um, maybe at school and understanding what kind of model of leadership um, has been given to us, what's been modeled to us from other authority figures in our lives, whether that's a parent or a teacher or a carer or, or whatever else. But how we learn to show up as a leader is often informed by that example, those examples that we've been given elsewhere. So part of the practice of leadership is understanding whether or not you want to remodel those, you want to replicate those, or whether you want to challenge them and, and disrupt systems or you know intergenerational systems. That's a whole thing. Um, but it's also understanding your primary attachment style and how that will show up at work because we can't separate our personal and professional selves, nor should we you know, within the, the bounds of what's appropriate to bring to the workplace. And I would um, go so far as to say that the the most important thing that you can do as a leader in any context, whether you're doing that as a feminist or just as a human being who wants to be really good at that job, is is getting going through whatever process you need to go through to be the most self-aware that you can be. So for me, that a hell of a lot of therapy for other people. It might be building a good peer support group that hold them accountable for, you know, analyzing their behaviors and making sure that they don't repeat their negative ones but fundamentally as a leader uh, you should never be in a situation where you're reacting at your team about something and you don't understand why or where that's coming from or how to learn from it next time and I think we've all experienced leaders who haven't done that work and I think it's the most powerful thing that you can do is to really know yourself well enough to manage yourself um, in those situations and also be transparent with your team about where you might need a little bit of space or a little bit of challenge or a little bit of patience. Uh, and then obviously giving that gift back to them as well and helping them to understand themselves and, and learn from that as well. 
Um, but doing all of that work is really, really hard and um, you're not a robot. So it is really important also to take care of yourself whilst you're doing that. So the one of the biggest mistakes that we see leaders making and also obviously that we've had to learn not to make ourselves is um, forgetting to take care of yourself first. And that's obviously a sustainability thing because otherwise you'll just burn out and crash. Uh, but it's also about modeling that for others, right? It's about being a leader who models the bravery that it takes to be self-aware, to be self-reflective, to be accountable for their mistakes. Uh, but it's also about modeling, taking care of yourself for others and giving people permission to do things like take a break if things are too hard or say when things are too hard, uh, or, you know, know where you, you find things challenging and where you find where you have strengths and kind of you using the support of others to navigate that more sustainably so it's really important to look after yourself and that is fun it's framed as quite selfish in our society it's also framed as something that's not very stereotypically masculine and therefore not very celebrated or centered in what we're taught leadership should be so this kind of feminist um approach is really like valuing yourself looking after yourself and modeling that for others um around you so that they have permission um to do that too yeah absolutely so next, we want to talk about hierarchy, which is uh, a slightly controversial topic in the context of feminist leadership. Um, and I also want to acknowledge that I believe either before or after this session, there is another session on flat leadership, which is so cool and interesting, and we're totally here for it. Um, but the point that I want to make now is that, of course, sharing power, dismantling systems of power is essential to feminism and to feminist leadership, whichever way you cut it. And that is fantastic and super, super important. And hierarchy can be really useful at work. Um, I really feel personally quite passionate about this. So it's not we're not talking about a chain of command or a misuse of power or a, abuse of power or I'm paid the most, so therefore I have authority or or any of those more complicated and icky things. We're talking here about a distribution of skill sets and the fact that actually having someone who is an ultimate decision maker or ultimately accountable for the delivery of something or kind of that final line of, of something getting over the line can be quite useful in work and quite useful in a team environment. And it actually creates oftentimes a sense of emotional safety if that person who is that final line is a feminist leader and, of course, uses that that responsibility and that power that they have in the right way and in an equitable, democratic way. Um, but I'm, I'm quite interested in flat leadership models. I think there's amazing examples of success. And I personally um, feel quite passionately that in my own experience, having some degree of hierarchy can be useful if it's used in, in the right way and in a feminist way. And I think that's really true for our relationship, Emily, over the years. Um, I started off as Emily's direct report six years ago, um, and now we're co-leaders of this organization. So we've had, we've had to navigate that concept of hierarchy quite a lot in our relationship, and I think we've done it really well. Um, and yeah, I'm not fully against it. I think it has a, I think it has a use and a function when used well. So take that um, and, you know, food for thought, inspiration, take that with a grain of salt if you want to, but it's it's something to think about. Um, so I agree with some of that. And I think, you know, we, we know where we differ on this. I, I um, co-chair an organization that has a, um, a, a collective management, non-hierarchical collective management structure. And so I've worked in different contexts. And I do think that the emotional safety point is one of the most important ones. You need to be able, you need to, in your context, you need to apply whatever form of hierarchy or, or lack thereof um, mm -hmm. creates the most enabling environment for all of the people in it to achieve whatever it is you're trying to achieve together. Um, and in some contexts such as IG, um, that's a lot about ensuring that uh, 
newer people or people with um, less experience have the benefit of the experience of others and also have the um, the supported supportive supervision to kind of try things out and take risks in a way that kind of doesn't um, impact the mission as well as leaders obviously then being there to provide that kind of context of emotional safety. And I think this goes to my next point, which is that whatever way you do feminist leadership or whatever way you apply feminism within your team, um, that will probably lead to you being different than the society and other structures and perhaps even you know, funders or, you know, other entities that you're engaging with on a day-to-day basis through your work. And being different requires constant processing and talking about the fact that you're being different. And sometimes it can be quite uncomfortable. You know, you can't just magic yourself a feminist utopia and then exist within that microcosm without having to engage with social structures and patriarchal power dynamics in your day-to-day life. And obviously most of the people who make up your team including you, will have also experienced workplace contexts or life contexts that aren't feminist. And, you know, you'll be bringing some of that modeling, some of that, you know, the way things are done thinking in, into that context as well. So you constantly have to be talking about, and sometimes it feels like you're having the same conversations over and over again, especially when new people join, but it's so important to keep talking about how you are different already, how you want to be different in the future, you know, what you want to change, what is and isn't working, because you're kind of inventing the script as you go. And that's a huge privilege and it's very exciting, but it also can be quite uncomfortable. And so you need to be making sure that you've got that that language. It's not just that you say, this is how we work and then you do that forever. It's the, the feminist practices about the invention of the feminist culture, but it's also about the uh, iteration of it and the, the constant um, reprocessing of that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I love that. Um, And finally here, a point on accountability, which is, of course, a huge one. Um, It is everything. It is absolutely everything to good leadership um, and to good feminist leadership. And the idea here is that none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. We're all um, we're all fallible. This is something we know. um, But that is expected. And it's our reactions to our mistakes or to our learnings or to our challenges that really define us. And that is literally the only way that we learn. Um, So this is, again, about that point about reflecting out loud doing some of that processing. And before we we hopped on this presentation, Emily asked me this really great question where you said, Emily, when was the last time um, you had a leader, you know, in your life who made a mistake and spoke about that openly and said, mm, actually, I would have done that different and that's on me and I'm sorry and I'm going to learn from it and I'm going to do X, Y, Z differently. Was that your teacher? Was that your parents? Um, have you ever had an authority figure do that consistently for you? And that kind of took my breath away as a question because the answer is not much. Um, Of course, working with you at IG is a whole different scenario. But um, most of us in our lives don't have that model to us, don't have that radical accountability, um, humility, you know, humanness model to us in leadership. And that creates a lot of pressure. Uh, There's a lot of pressure on leaders to be perfect to not share any challenges with your team. There's a lot of shame that comes with making mistakes. There's a lot of, um, you're holding a lot up. And that is true to some extent, but the idea of being accountable about when you don't always get things perfectly and when you want to make different decisions next time can actually build trust within your team. It doesn't damage trust, which is what the patriarchy has told us. Um, Of course, there are some bounds to what's appropriate to share and what's not, but in general, I really do believe that accountability and some form of transparency Um, makes a beautiful feminist leader. Yeah, for sure. And I think, honestly, it brings tears to our eyes whenever we see or hear anyone say, I I got that wrong and I'll do this differently next time. It's 
how you the gift of of, of closure on, on whatever the situation was um and so even when characters on tv shows do it i'm like oh, so beautiful um and so i tried to model that as much as possible yeah. um yeah i think this is so important for leaders well-being as well as obviously um team totally okay so our last slide here i'm mindful that we're um uh, that we're almost at time here. So we just wanted to to conclude by bringing this into a little bit more of a practical reality about how do these values show up with each other, i.e. between me and Emily um, in our leadership relationship and then also with the team. So I'll start first um, with me and Emily. Um, so as Emily said, or um, as we said, we've been working together for a very long time, um, for six years now. And it's been a dream working relationship. And I think that um, for me, it really comes down to the idea that we really have implicit trust and admiration and interdependence with each other. We have complementary skill sets. We really, really respect each other's intelligence, um, which really helps us show up as feminist leaders because um, we know that even when the other person makes a decision or has an opinion that may differ, we really trust um, that they're seeing something that we're not, or we, we trust that they're coming to it from a perspective that's really valuable. We also have weekly catch-ups. Um, which many people do in their workplace. But what I think is quite unique and feminist about our catch-ups is that we really bring our whole selves to the catch-up. Um, it's not about, you know, divorcing the personal and the professional um, because you can't. Even if you try to, it will show up. Your personal life and your challenges and your ambitions and your dreams is going to show up in work, whether you like it or not. So you may as well name it. Um, and that's part of that self-awareness and that outward processing because we're all just human and we're all affected every day by what's happening in our worlds. We also have leadership retreats, uh, which are the most fun, but they're also, they're really spaces to dream and talk about the deep stuff. Um, we go very deep, but I would say it's really important for any leadership, but particularly feminist leadership to have moments where you take a step away from the day-to-day -day and the hustle and bustle of that management and you go into a different space and you talk about your dreams and your hopes and your fears and your aspirations and what do you need from each other to take risks and all of those kinds of conversations are fundamental and you need to have the right container to be able to have those in a constructive way. Um, we also speak our minds with each other. I think we're, we're quite honest, um, and as I said before, but we always respect the final decision. I, I really believe that. I can't think of a single time when one of us has decided something where the other one hasn't gone. You know what? That's your call. And I respect that. Um, and that's powerful. That's that's rare. But I think we've we've built that dynamic over the years. It didn't start from day one. So it's it's again going back to that first point. Um, and then last but not least, um, regularly reflecting out loud. So I know um, we've said that before, but I cannot stress the importance of this enough. I think it's one of the most feminist things we do with each other. And something that I want to say is that Emily's um, really taught me this, the importance of the listener, the person who's not reflecting out loud. So anytime I come to Emily with something a challenge a question a thing she always checks in with me and says okay i'm i'm listening to you do you want me to just give you solidarity and compassion or do you want solutions and i always love how she does that because it gives me agency in the situation and it really um builds a positive dynamic between us so that's a, a hot tip that i really recommend that others embody as well i know i have that i've learned from you emily so thank you thanks for saying that 
I think um, one thing I'd add to the the with each other part of the slide is because uh, I can imagine if I was watching this at a different point in my career, I would be like, oh, good for you. You found each other and that's great. But I'm on my own. And I, don't, I don't have a Rachel or an Emily. How can I do it? And I just want to stress because I've been like a, you know, a lone middle manager with nobody at my level. That I can like have this type of dynamic with before. And, and as you say, you started out as my direct report. So we, we didn't already all, always have this dynamic. Um, and I want to stress how much you can build this type of thing with peers in your workplace, but also peers outside of your workplace, in your sector, in other organizations, but also just like it, within kind of friendship groups or, or other kind of support networks. It doesn't have to be someone in your organization, but I would encourage you to start developing these type of connections and kind of um, peer support and kind of authentic leadership like co-leadership models um, with people, even if you're not managing the same team or the same division or whatever, I think it's really, really important. And it's something that we've actively cultivated. We didn't just kind of like um, happen across um, our best work friend. Um, yeah. It's something that we've really built over time. Yeah. Um, and so I just want to speak a little bit about how this shows up in our leadership with the team. Um, so the first thing is that we really work to foster what we call mental, a well, mental health positive workplace. Um, and that is, you know, fundamentally a, a lot about mental health literacy and kind of psychoeducation. As you can tell, Rachel and I bring a lot of that um, into uh, our work in general. But actually, for the most part, you know, we don't learn that kind of stuff in school. It's not some people. Oftentimes, people don't understand the, why something might be difficult or something might be challenging in the workplace. And there's a lot of shame attached to why people get burnt out or why people might be really anxious or nervous about something or why people might react badly in a certain professional situation um, or why people just might struggle with their mental health in general. So we make sure that all of that stuff is always on the table that we're talking about mental health theory and, and what how we know that shows up in work, but also our own mental health, others' mental health. And that we're doing a lot to kind of spot any signs of challenges and that obviously also that it is destigmatized in the workplace to talk about if you're struggling and what you need and that time and space and support is is always available as well so we have that as an inherent part of how we work with each other and with the team and, and also as a kind of whole company-wide culture um we focus a lot on kind of celebration and recognition of achievement um, and so we do these things called snaps which i'm told is a legally blonde to reference but it's basically Correct. just a celebration um and we we invite everybody to do that for others so to celebrate when someone's done something well uh, but we also have allocated space every week for people to celebrate themselves and that can feel a bit uncomfortable for people at first but it's quite interesting what people choose to celebrate also and it allows people to um get a little bit outside their comfort zone and, and say what is most meaningful to them that they've achieved and sometimes it, it might be very different than what you expect um we also create a highly flexible working environment and that's not just about you know swapping an hour here and there um it's fundamentally just starting from a trust-based perspective which is this is your job this is what you need to achieve we trust you to do it well that might be from nine to five or it might be in a different way like we don't care <laughs> we don't need to know where you are you can work from home wherever you want whether we're in a pandemic or not um it's really about starting from that trust-based um management and leadership uh, and then uh, allowing the flexibility to work from there and that's one of the things that requires constant conversation because that's obviously different to what people are usually used to. Mm -hmm. um, we also make sure to implement what we would describe as appropriate transparency. I would say if there's a spectrum of transparency, I'm at like the radical transparency <laughs> where I'm just going to tell you absolutely everything and you let me know if it makes you anxious. <laughs> and then Rachel's like slightly more on the appropriate and then kind of like average out. But in general, I've worked in so many contexts where 
leadership and board decisions were so opaque and the budget was opaque and you just you make up stories in your head and it makes you really anxious so my priority is to create um, emotional safety and also to empower people and give them agency to um to contribute to discussions and make decisions on their own so transparency is is really key um Obviously, policies and procedures, whilst they can be quite dry, are a really key place where feminism can um, show up in terms of the fairness of those policies, the way those policies are created collaboratively, not just being you know written in a back room and then said, here you go. Um, and part of how we develop all of these things I've just said um, and redevelop them and continue these conversations is through doing internal listening tours. So usually whenever anybody um, is kind of put into a position of leadership, they do a listening tour with everybody on the team to really understand what they need from them and their position and also kind of build those relationships, those new relationships as a leader. And so that kind of a common practice and how we work as a team. And then just fundamentally related to what Rachel said as her last point around, you know, what do you need from me? Is it that you need um, me to listen? Is it that you need me to provide you with solutions? Um, a key thing that we try to instill in the team and ourselves is knowing what the answer to that question is. <laughs> so knowing what you need um, is part of the self-awareness point, but it's also, you know, we're, we're often not actually called to answer that question in the workplace. Oftentimes leaders will try and solve problems for us, or there'll be a system that try and solve the problem for us. And so we really encourage our team to know what it is that they need, if that's time, if that's space, if that's support or encouragement or challenge, whatever it might be, uh, and then make sure that they are asking for it so that we're constantly saying, what is it that you need from me? What is it that you need from me? Uh, and that kind of gives them that empowerment and that agency to help us be better leaders for them, but then also fundamentally be better leaders themselves in the future as well. So that is the end of our diatribe about feminist leadership um thank you so much for listening um i know that there will be space in this session for you to be kind of writing questions or other things so we'll look forward to seeing those um and if you have anything else then you're welcome to follow up with us our website is impactandgrowth.com thank you so much thank you thank you so much for listening to the fundraising everywhere podcast if you're enjoying this podcast why not share it with a fundraising friend and if you would like to give us a little like or subscribe, it really helps more fundraisers like you find us. Thank you so much. See you next time.